Welcome to Water from the Well, a work of the Church of Christ in Santa Clara. Today I continue my talks with Mike Wilson about Inspiration to Ink and how we got the Bible. We want you to mark your calendars for October 5th, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Church of Christ at Santa Clara, 850 Pomeroy. We'll be having an event that day that we hope you all will come to. It's a free event, and there'll be lots to look at for adults and children. So um, please mark your calendars for October 5th. In today's episode, we'll talk about William Tyndale and his part in bringing the Bible to us in English. Thanks for being with us, Mike. You're welcome. Uh, could you give us a description of who William Tyndale was and his role in translating the Bible into the English language? William Tyndale is not one of those household names that everybody learns about in world history classes growing up. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> but if you're a believer who reads the Bible in English, his influence on getting the English Bible to us is incalculable. You, you, can, you, you can hardly measure it. Um, so he was a scholar and a churchman of the early 1500s, what we call the 16th century. He was born probably 1494 or so, died in 1536. He was an Englishman, but he did most of his important work, his life work on continental Europe away from his beloved England because he couldn't translate the New Testament in English and get away with it. Uh, in England, and so he was separated from his homeland um, and uh, essentially gave us uh, the first English New Testaments translated from the original Greek and the first printed English Bibles, and he translated almost half of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew as well. So, uh, and he, not only that, but he was an absolutely brilliant man and brilliant translator. So, um, I don't know that there ever has been a translator since his time that is equal to him in, in, in uh, every respect. And so, the, the very first one that pioneered this was one of the most brilliant and the right man in the right place at the right time. Sounds like God's work, huh? Yes. <laughs> Um, so what was the religious environment like during those times? Well, the, the Roman Catholic hierarchy had, had really uh, suppressed uh, dissent. You had the Inquisitions in the late uh, medieval period. And um, you had a number of dissenters that uh, had been uh, spurred on by uh, John Wycliffe and, and others. There, there were Lollards in, in the 1400s who met together secretly at night in conventicles, uh, basically evening assemblies where they would recite uh, the Bible, learn the Bible, begin to, to learn to read uh, English in their own native language, learning and memorizing the Bible. Um, in, on, on April 4th, 1519, in Coventry, England, which was William Dale, Tyndale's time, six people were burned at the stake for teaching their children the so-called Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments in English. Burned at the stake. Wow. Yeah. So you have um, a lot of suppression, uh, the inability to pick up a Bible in one's native language and read it. And William Tyndale saw this as a major 
deficiency. There was pent-up frustration at the corruption of the Roman Catholic Church. And, and he wanted to get the Bible into the hands of the common man. He, he knew that that this would create a revolution, and it did. Yeah. So that, that's the, basically the background. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you know everybody knows about Paul and his struggles and his challenges uh, as he uh, tried to spread the word, and you know the other other apostles really, uh, the work they did. Um, and even uh, when you think about the Bible, uh, a lot of people know even names like King James, but Tyndale's name, like you said, is is uh, pretty much unknown. And uh, matter of fact, um, I had been a Christian for twenty seven years when I took your class on William Tyndale. And so uh, I was surprised at how much information was there that I didn't know about, you know, important information about the Bible and how we got it in our, uh, in our translation. But uh, indeed, he went through a lot of challenges and, um, you know, to accomplish his life's work. Could you give us a little bit more about the challenges that he faced? Yeah, early on when he began preaching and began, uh, you know, experimenting with translation, uh, a clergyman suggested to him, we were better uh, to be without God's law than the popes. And he shot back in one of the greatest comebacks of all time. I defy the pope and all his laws. And if God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the scripture than thou dost. <laughs> it's classic. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's typical. And even after he translates the, the New Testament, and they were sent back under, uh, you know, covertly, undercover uh, to England. There was this this you know, huge um, bonfire, and uh, William Tyndale's uh, New Testaments on that uh, occasion were burned. The William Tyndale bashing became in vogue. Uh, a bonfire uh, it was lit in London to burn the text, and there was a cardinal who proclaimed, "No Holocaust could be more pleasing to God." <laughs> Uh, Thomas More, he was famous uh, literary writer at the time, uh, and uh, one of King King Henry VIII's uh, right hand men wanted Tyndale hunted down and burned at the stake. He wanted him dead. So um, you know, Tyndale was not impressed with all this. He um, had to run for his life throughout you know his adult life. And uh, he constantly is, is working to, to get these uh, texts translated and to get books printed so that they could be shipped back to England. And with all his stealth movements, constantly running from place to place to place, covertly to try to hide. And uh, did it successfully for a number of years, finally was caught, and then um, strangled to death and burned at the stake. Uh, the remains of of, of his his uh, corpse there, yeah. uh, so he paid for this with his life. Yeah, what do you think it says about the message of a book where people would be willing to sacrifice their lives in order to translate it? Well, one thing that he knew is that that if I could translate God's word into the language of the common people, that uh, the world will not be the same. The English speaking world will not be the same. Um, in one of his editions of uh, the New Testament, he, he, there's a preface, and he he basically says there, um, it may not be an exact quote, but here thou hast, dear reader, uh, the new covenant made with us of God in Christ's blood. In other words, you're holding 
a copy right. of the new covenant that binds you to God through yeah. the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Don't take that for granted. Don't take it for granted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And when you think about sacrifices, you know that the sacrifice of Jesus ultimately, but also those uh, sacrifices of the disciples and apostles that we read of in the New Testament, but then even beyond that. And I think that's what makes this uh, information, knowing about uh, William Tyndale and others who gave their lives in order that we might be able to sit down in our living rooms and, and read God's Word. Um, it's it's important. It's important to know and uh, uh, also... I think it, it, it strengthens our our belief in the book, just knowing that common people like us uh, see the importance of it and, and are willing to give their lives so that we might have God's Word. It did not come without great sacrifice and cost. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, what will people be able to see from this period if they attend our How We Got the Bible Museum event? Well, they're going to see... Um, Everything from start to finish, we've got we've got different stations that will represent the earliest revelations of God to mankind, archaeological artifacts, uh, a lot of replicas. Um, but we do have some genuine articles as well. We have examples of early writing, uh, the examples of Dead Sea Scrolls, Hebrew, uh, Old Testament, New Testament manuscripts, and uh, all kinds of medieval books and manuscripts. But when you finally get past all of that, and get down to the the early efforts to translate the Bible in, into English. We've got uh, uh, copies or replicas of, of uh, Wycliffe Bibles, which were translated from the Latin Vulgate in the late 1300s. And with Tyndale specifically, we have a, a, uh, a replica of his 1526 New Testament, the original edition. There are only three of those in the whole world. And so we don't have one of those three. Uh, <laughs> that would be very expensive uh, for us to, to, to borrow uh, even and uh, not even to think about purchasing. But we have a replica of that. We have a replica of a 1536 uh, edition, which was the year of his death. And you could thumb through uh, those thing, those and, and look through them. We also have a, uh, a Tyndale edition of 1526 with modern print but with the original spelling, and people can thumb through that and try to read it. It's, <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> but uh, we've got, um, you know, John Fox. You may have heard about Fox's Book of Martyrs. Well, there's an original edition of that that uh, uh, is called Acts and Monuments in three volumes, and it's quite sizable, and, and we've got one uh, copy of that 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 uh, goes back to his own lifetime. And there are woodcuts throughout of, of persecutions, and one of those woodcuts is William Tyndale's death. And uh, that'll be on display. Uh, this is a book that dates from the 1600s, and, and uh, uh, William Tyndale's last words as he was about to be strangled to death were, Lord, open up the King of England's eyes. And you have a, a woodcut picture of that event in uh, Fox's Acts and Monuments. So there'll be a lot of neat things to look at, a lot of really old, old Bibles and books, a lot of originals, some replicas, reproductions. But uh, you'll be able to, to see uh, several examples of William Tyndale's own time. 
All right. And I heard rumor that there may even be a couple people dressed up yeah. as William Tyndale. We'll see. We're, we're going to try to create an ambiance, but we'll see. Uh, remains to be seen. Remains but uh, be seen. I do believe it will be a sight to behold. Oh, yes. <laughs> so October 5th, uh, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Church of Christ at Santa Clara, 850 Pomeroy. We hope we'll see you there. And uh, thanks for being with us again, Mike. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more about us, check us out at truthseekers.org. There you'll find our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.